0: Well, good morning everyone welcome to grace church on a sunday morning it's great to see all of you why don't you stand with us today so our retirement statement came in the mail a few weeks ago and needless to say there was a little bit less in there this time than that what there was back in january been a few changes since then And I I just, I'm reminded of the scripture in Psalms chapter 20. In Psalms chapter 20, if you look in your Bible at the top, it says, In the day of trouble. And verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I'm thankful today that my hope for the future is not based on what's in the bank, what's in the 401k, who's in the White House, who's in the Mayor's House, who's the governor that's not where my hope is today my hope is in the lord and we have an incredible opportunity today to call on his name let's do that today let's call on his name thank you
1: The book of Psalms that have been divided into what they call Psalms of Lament. And these are Psalms where David and the other writers just poured their heart out to God. They they got real with God. If we just to put it in our terms, and in, in some ways, they would just say, you know what, God, this is just not working for me right now, what I'm going through. And these these Psalms of Lament have a pattern. They they follow. They follow almost a formula, if you you, you will. The the psalm starts out with with this cry for help, this desperation, this this confession that my circumstances are bad and, and everything I look at is falling apart and there's no hope. But every psalm of lament somewhere in the middle takes a turn. And that's where the psalmist will say something like, but then I called on the Lord. Or, or, or then my soul cried out unto God. There, there's a turn there. And then, and then the remainder of this psalm, you can tell that once they've cried out to God, they see things just a little bit different. And you start hearing things like in your presence there is fullness of joy. You start hearing things like I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. You start seeing that one may fall in my left and 2,000 by my right, but God is my victor. He is my shield and my buckler. Come on, somebody needs to look through the eyes of faith. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what the world is facing. I'm here to tell you we have hope because we have a God that we can call on today. Oh, somebody shout one more time with a voice of faith and with eyes of hope in whom we have believed. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, God bless you today. I am glad you're here. Great to see you. You are welcome here at Grace Church. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, we are so glad that you have joined us today. Pray that the uh, service would be a blessing to you. You may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. I I just have a couple of things that I want to present to you, and then we're going to go right back into worship. And, uh... Lord willing, you won't hear any more preaching until pastor comes to the pulpit. That was my sermon for the morning, so there you go. Uh, I do want to remind you, actually I want to just tell you thank you for your generosity and for, for being faithful to your giving. If you're on live stream today, you can give online, number of ways to give there by text and by website, and then if you're here today on your way out in the foyer, which we call Grand Central, you have an opportunity to give your tithes and offerings on your way out. Thank you for your generosity and your support of the work of the Lord. Couple of things that I want to tell you about this week. There is united family prayer tomorrow night at 7.14 in your home. Please honor this. Please be faithful to this. It's making a, I believe it's making a tremendous difference. I know it's made a difference in our home and in our family. And if you haven't, if you haven't tried it, please do. Please put this on your calendar. It'll bless you. Tuesday evening is Tuesday, first Tuesday prayer at 7.30 here in the sanctuary. So we're going to pray at home Monday night. We're going to pray in the sanctuary Tuesday night. And then Wednesday night, we have a missionary, and I, I mentioned Wednesday this past Wednesday night that it would be Jonathan Strickland from Ireland. Brother Strickland got, and his family got to go back to their missions field, so we're really excited about that. That's a win. That's a victory. So instead, we're going to have the Michael Walmer family, uh, and they are missionaries to Uruguay. So your assignment between now and Wednesday night is to find out where Uruguay is located, right? Full, full confession, I had to look it up myself. Uh, And then this coming Saturday is an election. It's election day this Saturday, and we encourage you to vote and vote your conscience. Pray over your selections, and let's be a part of the the political process here in our country. Please be mindful of that and make a note of that and be faithful to that. Next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, the bridge is meeting in the A Center. This is for our ladies, ladies' ministry, and you can sign up in Grand Central on your way out this uh, after church today blood drive on sunday july 19th so two weeks from today again you can sign up at grand central and then finally please mark your calendars for july 29th through 31st it's camp sunshine and that's grace church vacation bible school we're looking forward to it there's a lot of planning a lot going on it's going to be great it's going to be exciting and we're going to have some registration information for you very soon this is for all kids ages five to ten so we want you to be a part of that Camp Sunshine Vacation Bible School. And then um, last thing that truly finally this time, uh, I say finally after every announcement so that you know that, you know, there's there's an incoming. But no, I'm just kidding. The uh, immediately following the service today, immediately following this service today, all quizzers and parents of quizzers need to meet in classroom two for awards from Grace Church for the 2020 year. This is beginners, juniors, and seniors, all quizzers. If you quiz this year, 2020, uh, we want to meet with you for awards from Grace Church immediately following the service today. Amen, amen. I'm looking forward to what God has for us today. I'm looking forward to worshiping together and also hearing the word of the Lord. So if you're ready to worship, the praise team is coming back right now, and I'm just going to ask you to clap your hands to the Lord one more time as we prepare to worship. God bless you.
2: presence of the lord in the house today i don't think god showed up today just for a social visit i think there's some things he wants to do in our lives if we'll let the lord have his way you'll leave You're a different person yes you will thank the lord clap your hands one more time and give jesus some praise we turn to the word of the Lord this morning. It's great to see everybody. Um, Thank you so very much for being here today. and uh, I do want to call your attention to the word of the Lord, but when we pray in a few moments that God would have his way in the rest of this service, I'd like for us to pray for the Nixon family today. Uh, All of you know that Sister Murph uh, buried her daddy uh, this past Monday. If you would lift him up in prayer today, they would certainly appreciate it. And also, I understand that uh, Brother Ray Johnson is really in need of prayer this morning, uh, in huge need of prayer this morning. And uh, so, I'm going to read my text today, and uh, and then we're going to pray and pray. Uh, Well, let's just pray right now. Let's pray right now for these needs, Father, we love you today. It's an honor. It's a privilege to be able to call on you in times like these. and We know that you have your way in the storm. And there's a storm going on in our world today. There's a storm going on in the spiritual world right now. I believe the devil is doing everything he can. To hinder and halt the progress of the church. And I pray, God, for our ministry all across our world. Pray for Brother Johnson, for our area pastors, all of them, God. We pray for a blood covering. We pray for Brother Johnson today, God, for immediate recovery, that the will of God is done, that the hand of God is manifest. We pray for the Nixon family today, God, that you would comfort them that you would strengthen them, blessed them, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. I'm going to take a few moments in my introduction today to my message. I'm going to have you seated. And uh, we'll just read the Word of God today with you seated. I'm coming to the pulpit today with a very strong um, undercurrent, if you will, going on in my mind and spirit. Uh, this has been prevailing in me over the past several weeks. Um, I do believe the media has been replaced or the pulpit has been replaced with the media and uh, that concerns me deeply. Uh, But I'm thankful you're here today and uh, my effort this morning and what my prevailing thought is is I want to work while it's day because Jesus said the night cometh when no man can work. And if you've been here on Wednesday night, uh, you understand totally what I'm talking about. I want you to give me some latitude this morning. I want to introduce this message. I've actually preached it before, but I have felt strongly compelled to deliver it to you again. But I want you to give me a lot of latitude on the introduction, and I hope I'm not offensive to anybody. But again, I want to work while it's day, and uh, I feel very desperate this morning in this pulpit. Mary McGregor sang a song in 1976. It was a top billboard hit for about two weeks. It tells a story of a woman that is in love with one man, but also at the same time has need for another one in her life. The first time I heard it, as about an 18-year-old teenager, the words of this song to me are so convoluted it burned into my memory even unto this day. I don't know why I was reminded of it several days ago. But I want to preach to you a message today that has a whole lot to do with the words of this song. Now, you give me some latitude, and I'm not trying to be funny. I've never been more serious. There's no way anyone could hear this song Or try to live out its words or meaning. I just don't understand how anyone could understand and accept such betrayal. I'm sure most of you have heard it. She said there are times when a woman has to say what's on her mind. Even though she knows how much it's going to hurt. But before I say another word, let me tell you I love you. And let me hold you close and say these words as gently as I can. The song goes, there's been another man that I've needed and I've loved. But that doesn't mean I love you less. It's convoluted to me. And he knows he can't possess me and he knows he never will. There's just an empty place inside of me that only he can feel. You mustn't think you fail me just because there's someone else. You were the first real love I ever had. And all the things I ever said, I'm going to change a word here, I promise they still are true. For no one else can have the part of me I gave to you. I couldn't really blame you if you turned and walked away. But with everything I feel inside, I'm asking you to stay. Torn between two lovers, feeling like a fool, loving both of you, she said, is breaking all the rules. I'm desperate today to very respectfully apply those words to some folks in this house right now in reference to your relationship between God or with God and the world. In Luke chapter 17 verse 31, in that day Jesus said, he which shall be on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field let him likewise not turn back. Three words, verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus said, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the Father, the love of the Father, or any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I want to preach to you for a little while today, just simply torn between two lovers. If you knew what was coming to this planet, you would understand where this message is coming from. And I'll be honest with you today, I'm tired. I'm emotionally tired over the circumstance we've just been through. I'm fighting spiritually, but I'm going to give this all I've got. If I can't finish it, I'll leave my iPad up here and Brother Dave can come finish it. All he has to do is read it. This passage of Scripture is one dealing with the ramifications of getting ready for probably the rapture, and that's debated. The context actually begins in verse 20 of the chapter, if you care to read the whole thing. Jesus is answering a question of the Pharisees who were inquiring when the kingdom of God would actually come to pass. And Jesus explained that the kingdom of God is spiritual, not temporal. Then without any recorded provocation, begins a discourse to the disciples concerning his second coming. Which to the Jews is when he's coming back to fight the battle of Armageddon and then set up his kingdom on the earth. That's not the rapture. The Lord would bring to pass the thought that they had in reality missed what the current kingdom of God looked like. Romans 14, 17 said, In this case, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. His instructions for this kingdom were different from any other they had ever heard. When you were called to this kingdom, there are some requirements. Jesus said in this passage, if you care to read it, if you're on the housetop, when the kingdom comes, don't go back into the house to get your things. If you're in the field, don't go back to get your possessions. If, you will, lose, if you, you will lose your life, he said, if you try to preserve it and hoard it, you'll only find your life, he said, by losing it. The implication here is in the kingdom of God. There's a fine line of separation that comes with God's kingdom. Jesus said two would be in the bed, two grinding corn, two in the field, and then one, when the kingdom comes, would be taken, and the other left. There's urgency about this text that tells us that we will not be riding in on someone else's coattails or on someone else's relationship with God. If you don't make it on your own, you're not going to make it. Seemingly out of place in this passage is one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. There are other passages in scripture when Jesus or one of the other writers of the epistles would mention an Old Testament character and then they would explain why they had mentioned them. For example, Esau, he threw away his birthright for a morsel of bread or a bowl of stew. Sodom and Gomorrah was mentioned and then the comment was who will rise up in judgment because others had more to work with and did less. It mentions Jonah who laid in the belly of a whale or a great fish for three days and three nights. But in this particular passage, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. That is all. No explanation, just a powerful, anointed, gut wrenching, three word sermon, and then Jesus walks away from it. It stands out as a warning, but there's something, is there something behind this veiled reference? I believe there is. Lot's wife is a nameless character in the Bible. We have No idea where she came from. There's no background or pedigree, if you will, or genealogy given to her. She's not a prophetess like Anna. She's not a judge like Deborah. She's not a queen like Esther who saved her people from a man named Haman. She's not like Ruth who was an outsider that birthed a king. She's not like a Rachel who gives birth to a great Egyptian prince, Joseph. She is not like Mary of Bethany who changed the atmosphere with a broken alabaster box of perfume. She's not like any of these great women of Scripture. Nothing is known of her, and yet the command of the Lord was to remember her. So if we're going to know her, we're probably going to have to look maybe at her husband to get some kind of an idea as to who she was. So I believe it's possible to know Lot's wife, you probably need to know a little bit about Lot. Who is Lot? He's the nephew of Abraham. He's a fatherless child who is being raised by a childless father. They became fused together in something that was not the will of God. He ended up leading a divided house against Abraham. Lot's actions and character could be summed up in other ways. He was not a very good man. He was a carnal and lustful man. He was a selfish man driven by his own agenda. He was a divisive man. So God determined that Abraham needed to separate himself from Lot because of who Lot was. God's wisdom prevails and he directed Abraham to give Lot his own choice about some land. But because Lot was a greedy man and driven by his own agenda, God separates him from Abraham quickly Seamlessly and with little scarring. One of the greatest mysteries of scripture is that Lot is called in the New Testament a righteous man. I believe this might be part of the reason. He was good enough to entertain angels. He was good enough to provide for them and protect them and defend them. He was good enough that when God decides to destroy the cities, Lot is going to be rescued by them. So God's instructions to Lot prior to the destruction of Sodom was to get his wife and daughters out of the city and flee to the mountains. That was the instructions. Some transactions took place on Lot's part and he ended up setting his sights on a city called Zor. So as Lot prepares to leave the city, he takes his nameless wife and daughters and they're escorted out by angels. Suddenly they were opened up to the work of God in a venue that we would call an opportunity. Not a blessing, but an opportunity. Some of us say here today, if I just had an opportunity, I don't necessarily want a blessing. I just need an opportunity. So much could be done with an opportunity if you're willing to invest it in God's purpose. An opportunity to prove who you are. An opportunity to stay with it, to turn your life around, to improve your mind. An opportunity to form good habits. An opportunity to have sterling character. An opportunity to be useful. An opportunity to invest your life and not waste it. An opportunity to plan for the future. The word opportunity comes from the root word signifying at port or in harbor. This is suggestive of the statement that There is a tide in the affairs of men which, taken at flood, leads on to fortune. One has to think of a trader who is dealing in the market ready to turn every opportunity into an advance for himself. There are great opportunities that will present themselves only once or twice in a lifetime. And a man must take full advantage of those times and not look back. So whether it's people, communities, nations, churches... No one can allow the erosion of opportunity. So here's Lot's wife being led into the future, but bound by the past. The problem with Lot's wife, she didn't value her opportunity. And there's people here today that are setting on go if you make the right choice. You're sitting on disaster if you don't. At first, at first glance, when you look at Lot's wife, there's a tendency to think that she is a decadent sinner, a reprobate, or a godless woman who's depraved. Perhaps the memorial of remembrance is to look at her sin and stay away from it. But this cannot be the case because God brought her out. Whatever she was, or you, know, you, you, you need to listen today. Whatever she was, or even had the potential to be, she wasn't bad enough for God to want to destroy her because he sent angels to escort her out. If you were so bad, if there wasn't something in you that God did not want to save, he wouldn't be giving you this opportunity. Amen. So as she was leaving, on the way to her destiny in the future, she aborted her purpose by looking back. This is not for backsliders because she didn't go back to what was burning down. This is not a message for people who go back. This is a message for those who look back. What would make this woman who had a very safe and secure future in front of her, what would make her want to look back? Why would she throw away the hopes for tomorrow with one look over her shoulder? Why would she look back when everything God had for her was in front of her? I'm working while it's yet day. Was Lot's wife torn between two lovers? I want everybody to understand here today. Everything that God has for us is from now on. Everything God has for us today is from now on. You have to stop now looking back at last year, at old mistakes at old grudges, at old offenses, at old hurts, the old dilemmas of life. Everything God has for you is from now on. If you keep looking back, you're going to turn into a pillar of salt, which means preserved in an eternal today because you look back at a forgotten yesterday. Our prayer can never be, God, don't let me go back because the problem for most of us here today is not going back. We just keep looking back. Somewhere along the line, you have to get over the spilt milk perspective out of your mind and heart because crying about yesterday is not going to do any good for tomorrow. I want to appeal to somebody today. I want to reach for somebody today. Don't look back. But there's people here today that keep doing it. You have that amazing moment in prayer, that amazing altar service. For some of our young people, that amazing Youth Congress, it may be a youth camp, it may be a camp meeting, it may be a revival, it may be a miracle, whatever it is, and we and you determine this is it. I'm going to be what God wants me to do, but you can't help yourself. You can't help yourself as soon as you get home. You get back on your phone, you get back on the computer, and you just start looking back over your shoulder at all that stuff that God just had you delivered from. I'm here to preach to somebody today that's gonna burn down one day yes it will you have only one life to live and if you live it for Jesus it'll be the one life that's eternal so if you're going to remember Lot's wife there's some points we'll have to observe and make she was not a backslider because she didn't go back She was not a sinner because a sinner would have never left. She epitomizes a child of God who has enough faith to get out but still has so many issues in the past that they can't embrace their future. When God gets ready, there's people here today I could call your name and I wish I had the liberty to do it because I'm preaching straight to you today. When God gets ready to move us, it's going to be quick. You have to be willing to move quickly and without delay. The Israelites crossing the Red Sea, that didn't take 10 years. It didn't take six months. Peter delivered by the angels from jail while a prayer meeting was going on. That didn't take hours and hours. Get up, Peter, let's go. Straightway the disciples left their nets and followed Jesus, the Bible said. Straightway the woman with the issue of blood was healed. Straightway means immediately. Jairus' daughter was healed. Straightway did the young man in Mark 7 have his ears open and his speech impediment healed? Yes, he did. The Bible said that weeping may endure for a night but there's joy that will express itself come the sunrise when a saint gets pulled out. They're often pulled out so fast that if you're attached to anything in your past, you will not be prepared for what God is going to do in your future. This is one of the great values of repentance. It's why the Bible said God is faithful and just to forgive sin. He does it immediately. So if you're going to get what God has for you today, then you're going to have to leave everything. in yesterday, for that matter, what's happened in the last year or the last five years or even the last decade, leave it there. The reason that Jesus wanted us to remember Lot's wife was because she had been delivered from a place physically, but wasn't prepared for where God was taking her spiritually. Her body was out but her mind stayed behind in the smoking city and the fire and the rubble and everything being burned up. Her situation was out of her out, but her, her situation was out, but her attitude was still in. Her position was out, but her condition was still stuck. A dangerous place to be in life is when you're divided against yourself when you're torn between two lovers. God... I love you, but I also love the world. The reason I was so passionate at the beginning to say how convoluted this, this thought is is because the Bible says you can't do that. It's not possible. If a man says he loves God and loves the world, he's a liar. You can't do both at the same time. And I hear it often. I love God, Pastor. I love Him so much, but I just can't quit sinning. It's like saying I love my wife, but I can't quit cheating on her. It's convoluted. It's a dangerous place to be. When you're divided against yourself, God brought her to a place for which she had no real appreciation. Woe to those who seek to remain in the familiar when God wants to put us in the divine. Woe to those who seek to remain in the comfortable when God wants to put us in a situation of opportunity. Woe to those of us who have been given an opportunity, but your mind is tied up in what you're accustomed to. Just a three-word sermon that sends an immortal and eternal warning to the church, not to the sinner, but to the church. Everybody sitting on these chairs today needs, and never forget, Lot's wife. She was brought to a place she wasn't ready for. Remember, God said, I brought her out, but she couldn't think herself out. I brought her body out, but she couldn't get her mind out. I brought her to a place of opportunity, but her faith could not hold out. Paul said, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forth unto those things which are before her. Forget those things that are in yesterday and reach into tomorrow and do the will of God. Her body was out. Her face was headed for Zoe, Her hands were in the hand of a blessed man. And her mind was looking back. She was following angels. Do you understand that today? I've never even seen one outside of my wife. I can't imagine how I would feel to have not one but two, Mark, grab you by the hand and start leading you somewhere. How, what kind of person do you have to be? <laughs> hey, y'all, wait just a minute. <clears throat> y'all, 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 stop right there just a minute. I, I, I need to turn around. <clears throat> Forget where I'm going. Brother Henry, I would be so mesmerized by these two beings that God sent into my life and they're leading me on this journey and I'm like, yeah, I'll go wherever you wanna go. I don't care, just lead me there, I'll go. But we don't do that. We know God too well and we say we love him too much and we think God's gonna understand when we ask him to stop right there so I
3: can look back a while.
2: Lot's wife is the only person in Scripture who got out of a terrible situation, headed for a secure place, and perished between the two. And there's people here today that's going to perish between a relationship with God and a world out there that can do nothing for you. You know why? It's because you're torn between two lovers. And most of the time, you feel like a fool because you know that loving them both is breaking all the rules. Even the devil ain't happy with you right now because you love God a little bit. Think about that. Lot's wife wasn't murdered. She wasn't crucified. She wasn't in prison. She destroyed herself. She did it to herself. She couldn't even blame her parents. She couldn't blame her husband. She couldn't blame God. God was leading her out for crying out loud. She died because she chose to be a monument, looking back rather than a movement moving forward. Remember Lot's wife, torn between two lovers. The problem with Lot's wife was not her morality or her integrity because she was good enough to get out. Her problem was her mentality. Her mind refused to accept the opportunity. Her mind, and that's where some people are right now, right here today, you're listening or you're watching, your mind will not let you engage the opportunity that God is giving you right now. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, because you need to get yourself together. And pull your mind out of yesterday and get your attitude right and quit crying over spilled milk and let your past, don't let your past hinder your future and quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. You may not be able to save the city. You can't save Sodom, but you can save yourself. This is your opportunity. We've come too far to die in the wilderness. We've gotten out of the world but we can't stop now. We've left yesterday behind, but we have to look forward to the future. This is your chance for a breakaway. Break up with the world. Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote that he saw Lot's, Lot's wife in the wilderness. Sodom and Gomorrah couldn't be located because it was thought to be at the bottom of the Dead Sea. So God made a monument. Lot's wife was frozen in time. Salt is a preservative. She was preserved. She was coming out and she was frozen in time because she was looking back. The decision that I have to make is whether or not I'm going to stay behind or hold Lot's wife's hand or am I going to move on and Keep walking. You can keep holding hands with the past or you can let go and march on into the will of God into your destiny. So let me skip on to my conclusion today. This is what I want us to do while the musicians come. I'm going to have you go ahead and stand with me today. I told... Sister Murphy, I'm going to tell you what I feel like I'm fighting here today to, to some degree. I told Sister Murphy, I was at a restaurant eating lunch the other day, and there was this little girl, they looked like 12, 13 years old, 14 maybe. They looked like they was a softball team. They had on their uniforms. They came in to eat. It was four of them. It wasn't a whole team, but it was four of them. They sat down with their coaches, and I heard the coaches trying to coach them. Well, you remember that pitch, and You remember when you popped out and you remember when you was at the batter's box and all four of them were sitting there with their smartphone in their hand. They weren't listening to the coach and that's what I'm fighting here today. So I want to put this song into my sermon's context today. So you forgive me and if this offends you, I'm sorry, but I'm really not, but we'll work with it. So let's consider Mary McGregor's song again. This is what we come to church and say to Jesus. There's people here today that you every time you come to church, you say this to Jesus. You come down here and you cry and you wail, and and, and I'm not belittling that. I want you to. Don't stop. But this is what you say when you come down here. It may not be words out of your mouth, but it's what your heart is saying. So you come down here. To talk to Jesus and this is what you say. There are times when a human has to say what's on their mind. Even though they know how much it's going to hurt. So God, before I say another word, let me tell you I love you. And let me hold you close and say these words as gently as I can. Somebody can come on down here right now and just start saying these words because that's what you're going to do. But it needs to stop. You need to stop that today. So let me hold you close, God, and say these words as gently as I can. There's been something else that I've needed and I've loved. You fill in the blank. It's your song. You're the one singing it. But somehow, we try to persuade God that even though I love something else, that doesn't mean I love you less. And God, that thing I love, it can't possess me right. If it wasn't possessing you, you wouldn't be doing it. And it knows It never will. But there's just this empty place inside of me, God, that only that can fill. So God, you mustn't think you fail me because there's something else. You were in fact the first real love I ever had. And of all the things I've ever said, I promise they still are true because no one else can have that part of me that I gave to you. But here's, here's where it gets really convoluted to me. God, And tears are streaming down your face. Somebody's just got some Kleenex out from under the chairs and they've just stuffed them in your hand because you're bawling, because you're telling God that I couldn't really blame you
3: if you turned and walked away
2: but God with everything inside of me I'm asking you to stay because I'm torn between two lovers and I feel like a fool God ain't happy with me because I love the world and the devil ain't happy with me because I love God And that's why I'm so miserable. You listen to me. You listen to me. If any of your spouses walked up to you today and said, I have something to tell you, come in real close and let me hold you real tight. There's another person that I love and I need you to understand that. I love you, but I love them. If Sister Murphy tried to persuade me of that nonsense, i tell her, you go after the other dude. I want no part of it. I ain't sharing. And God don't either. Jesus said, if you try to play it that way, you'll lose your life. Try to love God and the world at the same time, you're going to turn out to be a disaster. But if you'll love me, you know I stared at my father-in-law Monday, laid out right in front of this pulpit, and I looked into that face. And I wonder if you could bring him back for a few minutes and just ask him if it was worth it. Loving God with all your heart. (laughs) When he prayed through the Holy Ghost in 1967, he didn't play around no more. Not that I know. I was in his family 47 years. He didn't play around. I wonder if you brought him back now if he'd tell you it's worth it. I wonder if you could bring the person back. Why don't you bring Lot's wife back? And have a conversation with her and see what she says about where she's spending eternity right now. So, if you're torn between two lovers today and you feel kind of foolish, there's a reason there's another feeling that's going on right now inside of you and I call it conviction not condemnation but conviction because God much like Hosea and Gomer in the Old Testament God instructed him to marry a prostitute and he did was to be a type of Israel and she was horrible to him but he couldn't stop loving her he couldn't stop and he finally found her after a couple of several kids was born, he found her in this old dirty, run-down place, prostituting herself out to all kind of people. But there stood her husband and picked up her broken, raggedy body, brought her home and cleaned her up. And where you'll sing this song to Jesus in a little while, I really wouldn't blame you if you walked away. The problem with God is He just can't. can't we think lo I'm with you always means when you're discouraged and need comfort no, not just that it's when you're backsliding it's when you are when you don't know God at all he, he can't walk away he just can't he'll put up with the way you think about him and the world and, and every time you come to church and you sing that song Instead of you embracing him and bringing him up close, he embraces you and brings you up close. And he says, wait before you say that you love me when you really don't. Let me tell you how much I
3: love you. If you want to look back,
2: look back at Calvary. just trying to work while it's yet day. And you're like that little girl softball team while pastor's trying to coach you. You've got your smartphone out and just texting away to meaningless things. the thing about Lot's wife is the thing that was on fire was behind her what we're living up against what we're up against today is what's on fire is yet ahead of us we don't see it so today I want to give somebody an opportunity to tell that thing out there I'm breaking up with you today the affair is over the habits, the lifestyle, the attitude, all the nasty stuff I do, all the horrible stuff I do, all that over. I'm breaking up with that out there, and I'm going to fall in love with what's in here. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. As they begin to sing, if you feel comfortable to gather with us around the front, I want you to come and grab a hold of God and pull him up real close to you and say, God, I'm
4: not you God, I love
3: you more right now than ever, and I'm gonna let the stuff out there go. I'm gonna let the stuff out there go.
4: God,
3: I'm gonna fall in love with you with all God. I'm gonna serve you today, oh God, more Let's pretend now.